So when I was given the assignment to teach this particular lesson, I thought I'd, I'd been given the easy lesson of the, of the series because it was just a history lesson, right? This is not going to work. <laughs> it needs to kind of come up because otherwise I can't see, you know. If I don't touch it, it'll be good. Okay. And I thought, oh, I'm teaching the history. I'm teaching this history of the Jewish people and how we got to Babylon. I'm thinking, well, that's awesome. I love history. I love teaching history. I love looking at the message, and I like bringing out kind of the, the context. And I get all this, like, from my husband. You know, I get all that love of history and, and just putting some color to Scripture. And so I thought, well, this is going to be really fun. And then I started studying it, and it's not a history lesson at all. <laughs> Okay, do I need to do this? Can I make a lot of noise for everyone? What this is is a warning because God is consistent in his word always. And if he has said something in the history, he means it for now too. So um, we're never to look at the word and go, I thought it was for then. Gosh, those poor Jews. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is not how we're to look at this. And, and the more I studied, the more convicted I got. And I have to tell you that the, last week I had one of the roughest, emotionally tough weeks I've had in a really long time. And I knew why it was, dis- it was distracting. And I needed to finish this and put it, you know, your, your study and my notes are all over the place. And, and, I'm, and I know I need to get them to Amelie so that she can help me make sense of them too. And I'm, with every space in my week that I had, I needed to be focused. And it was crazy, insane, the interruptions in my life last week. But God is good, and we're here, and I'm just going to say the words, and y'all are going to have to make sense of it. That's just all there is to it. So so here we are. How did we get here? And I am going to give you a quick history. It's very quick. Abraham was at 2000 BC. Moses came on the scene at 1450 BC. David at 1000 BC. Solomon at 950 BC, after Solomon, the kingdom divided, and Israel falls to Assyria in 722 BC, and Judah falls to Babylon in 586 BC. And when the kingdoms fell, that is when the Jews found themselves once again slaves in Babylon after their entire history of being redeemed slaves. They were slaves once again. So I'm going to start reading in uh, Daniel 5, 2 through 6, and I'm seeing that these shiny things I put my papers in, not a good idea at all. Um, Daniel 9, 2 through 6, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books of the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments we have sinned 
committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Now, what's interesting about that particular chapter, chapter 9, is that Daniel is reading from the scrolls of Jeremiah, who was a contemporary in his time. But how did these scrolls land in Babylon, in the, ca- in the king's quarters? How? how? Well, we don't know how the scrolls from Jeremiah landed here, but Daniel has found them, and God is using them for his purposes. Because later on in Daniel 9, the angel Gabriel spoke to Daniel, and he gave him understanding of what the 70 times 7 or 490 years were about, that the people would be in captivity observing the Sabbath. Leviticus 26, 30 through 35, I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and heap your remains on the remains of your idols, for my soul shall abhor you. I will lay waste your cities as well, and will make your sanctuaries desolate, and I will not smell your soothing aromas. I will make the land desolate so that your enemies who settle in it will be appalled over it. You as your land becomes desolate and your cities become waste. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of the desolation while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of its desolation. It will observe the rest which it did not observe on your Sabbaths while you were living on it. There it is. That's it right there. That's how we got here. God was serious about the Sabbath. And not observing the Sabbath was a death sentence. Exodus 31, 12 through 13, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, but as far as you speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbath for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death for whoever does any work on it that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work will be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does not work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. In Leviticus twenty-three thirty-two, it is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls on the ninth of the month at evening from evening until evening you shall keep your sabbath and i wonder because god was so serious i'm wondering what do we understand today about a sabbath and i think in in modern times that we've gotten away from observing it or talking about it And I wonder if it's because we think it's attached somehow to the law. And let me remind you that when God created the earth, he 
created for six days and then he rested on the seventh, did he not? Was God tired? No. (laughs) But God understands something that we don't, and he tried to put it on us. He tried to get us to see it. God understands that we need rest. God was not exhausted from from creating the earth, but God needed rest. Why? For him. For his pleasure. What are the physical consequences of not observing a Sabbath? If you can look at our time, there's stress disorders and declining physical health, depression, anxiety disorders. I mean, it's from everyone from elderly people to little tiny kids. What is working out in our bodies is the lack of rest. How many sleep disorders do we have? How many other disorders do we have? We are physically out of control because we don't observe a Sabbath. Maybe not observing a Sabbath is a death sentence anyway, huh? We have a perceived cost of the Sabbath. And um, it's loss of production, both personally and financially. And what it really comes down to is we don't trust God's word. And we really don't trust him when he says, this shall be a rest for you. If he commanded a Sabbath to be observed, don't you think he was going to be good for the provision of it? Don't you think that if God commanded it, then we didn't have to worry about our production on that day? That he would be good for that? But we don't think that. We think it's up to us. So we don't truly trust God. What we value is busy. We don't value rest. What we value is productivity, not process. So when I say that word process... When you hear someone describe someone and they're in process, what do you naturally begin to think? Oh, they haven't quite cut it. They aren't as good as they could be. I mean, they're in process, right? No. We don't value the being here now, in this moment, by yourself or with that person, in whatever, it, in your car, at home. We don't value the now. We, don't va- we value what, is I, what can I turn this moment, what can I turn it into? How can I make it productive for later? And you see, I mean, have you been on Pinterest? <laughs> if you're a young mom and you go on Pinterest, you might as well start your anti-anxiety medication now because I'm serious. The lists of ways that you can be productive, you could drive yourself nuts. And it's not just for young moms, but I think that's actually the worst because what are we doing to our little kids? What are we doing in our families when we don't have time anymore to be 
together. When we schedule and we are productive for every moment of the day, we schedule our kids within every moment of their lives and we expect them to have, have straight A's and be perfect students and also have a sport that they're excellent at and take a musical instrument. And Francis, I know you were good at all of that stuff, but the rest of us just can't be. We're not all cut out to be doers every second of the day. And God said no. God could have been productive on the seventh day. Do you think God had more creation in him for the seventh day? Are you kidding me? He did. But he said no to some stuff. He decided to stop then. He put being in front of being productive. He chose it. What's the spiritual cost of not allowing for a Sabbath rest? We've already covered a lot of it, but what we lose is really hearing God. We fill every moment with busy, and we're teaching the next generation that busy is what's valued. We continue at a pace that does not allow for us to sit and really hear God. Our lives are filled with constant noise. No time for peace and reflection. The real cost is not hearing God speak. Gia, she hadn't read my notes, but she, read, she worked with my feelings. And, and today she was reading in the Word, and she sent this to me. And it was just, it was just the peace that I needed. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. And I'm going to read it in the New Living because it encompasses, I think, completely what God's heart was about observing a Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Are you Did you hear that? Like, let there be a time that you let, you just be. And you're not pursuing. And you're not making your lists. And you're not planning for tomorrow. And you just let him delight in you for a bit. The land was also to be at rest. And this is where the 70 times 7 comes in and the 490 years. Um, Leviticus 25.4 says, But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So let's just say, that the farming community today, every seven years, they just let the land be. That would throw a pretty big wrench in the works, would it not? (laughs) 
And the God had all kinds of physical and spiritual things in mind when he established this Sabbath for the land. Because, first of all, there was six years, were there not, for them to store up here and there and prepare. Okay? You wanted to be busy little bees and busy doers? Do it. In six years, you have all the doing you can handle for the land. Because in the seventh year... You were going to let the land sit, and it wasn't that it was going to be unproductive because we all know that if you let land sit, what's growing the next year is all kinds of who knows what. The seeds blew over from the neighbor's farm and whatever. There was going to be stuff, but you let the land sit, and you let the nutrients sit for a year. You let it rest so that it could be more productive later that was the whole deal with the land what have we done to our land do we get any of the benefit of the food that's grown in the ground anymore no so what do we have to do we have to take 1600 supplements to make up the difference and now we've got beet powders and super green this and blah 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 that you better take because you're not getting anything from your food it's crazy what we've done but what are we what have what has it done to us physically the gut issues and the skin issues and the bloody bloody blah because we can't get healthy from eating healthy. That's insanity. God was serious about a rest for the land. He, he set this up. There was a plan and a purpose. But it was also greed because how do you then get more from the land if you let it sit for a year? They didn't trust God's provision. They didn't trust him to do what was good for them. They didn't trust him to provide for their future. Oops, I said future. We don't either, do we? Really? Because what if God told you to, you've got six years to work, and on the seventh year, you're not going to. I will provide for you. How many of you would have a complete and total panic attack right this minute? Because we don't, look, we don't live like that, and we don't trust God like that, do we? We don't trust God like that, do we? Not for a year. I might be able to trust him for a week, but then I've got to get another job. We don't trust him. Second Chronicles 36, 11 through 21, I write that down and I will let you read that at home, but that gives you the entire history of, uh, of Israel from its inception and why we landed where we landed. But I'm going to highlight two verses in 21 and 22. Those who had escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon and they were servants to him and to his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. Um, by the way, you heard back there that he was going to make the land so abhorrent that no one else would settle there either. So no one else was going to go work that land either. It was going to be so awful what he did to that land. So that land was going to get the Sabbath that it, it deserved. Now, I ask you, where in your life 
Where in my life? These are the questions I've been asking for the last few months. I'm telling you, this has been painful. Where in your life are you reaping the benefit of not resting? Where in your body? Where in your family? Where in your work life? Where in your spiritual life are you reaping what you've sown by not having a Sabbath rest? The next area was idolatry. Exodus 20, 3 through 5, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the, uh, of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. 1 Corinthians 10.14, lest you think this was just part of the law. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Idolatry is possible in all of us because we were made for worship. God made us for worship. Romans 1.21-24, for even though... They knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was dark and professing to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man, of the birds of the air, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. When we do not honor God's commands and when we don't honor what we know of God, it's kind of like you're a miner in a cave and it's pitch black, but you've got that little light on. Can you see to the other end of the cave? You can see possibly two to four feet in front of you. But if you keep walking in that light, what happens? Does it get darker? No. The light expands so that you can walk four more feet, correct? And if you just keep pursuing the light that's in front of you, more light is given to you. That's what we're talking about here. You and I, we are in different places spiritually, but we have been given light. What light does is it shines onto the places where we have issues. We have stuff. We have, and that, you know, I've got, I've got this light in my kitchen. Um, it's an overhead. It's kind of those things. It's kind of fluorescent and, like, super bright, and I have a white kitchen, which is, why, oh, why do they make white kitchens? But I have this white kitchen with this super bright light, and I hate turning it on because what do I see? I see that I didn't clean it right. And it... Do you see? So I keep it off. So is it still there? Yeah. But I don't have to see it. And Dave and I have this wrestling match with the stinking light. He's turning it all the time. I'm turning it off. But it's the same way spiritually when God lets light in, when, you are, when, you, when he invites you into his light, he shi- it shines light on stuff. And instead of going, oh my goodness, I've got to get the Windex out and I've got to clean the stuff, we go, no, I'm just not going to look at the light. Just, but 
When we push the light away, what comes in its place? Darkness. Every time. And what we don't, when, when darkness comes in, it's followed by idolatry, which is followed by immorality. I would imagine that I could go in probably every home in this room, and I bet I would not find any craven images. I would probably not find, you know, worship places with bears or the sun or the moon in your homes. I think I probably wouldn't find that here. Am I right? But we do have idols. My friends, without even thinking about it, because there isn't one of us that isn't pushing the light away from somewhere. Because some of us have decided this is the farthest I want to go with you, God. It's uncomfortable to go any farther, and I really don't want any more of that. And when the minute we do that, I don't care where you are in your spiritual life, the minute we do that, the darkness comes in, and darkness brings with it idolatry of some kind, because where God is not, worship has to happen. And what are you worshiping? It's not a craven image. I can almost guarantee that in this room. But when God is not control, idolatry is natural. For those who nominally follow God, idolatry can still be a big problem. You know, I think idolatry is something that we do talk about. We have talked about it, but I think we don't go deep enough. We talk about it being something that we love that's better than God. But we don't talk about what are you craving? What are you craving that's not God? What, do you, what are you giving your life to that's not God? What is filling that void that's not God? Anything like that is an idol. And it ties back to the Sabbath principle because as people were receiving blessing when they were not receiving blessing by being disobedient and for not observing the Sabbath, they were feeling a vacuum in their worship right? Because God wasn't blessing them. And that's where the idols came from, because they worshiped what was easier. They worshiped what was immediate. They were sacrificing their children to it. I have had to ask myself some really, really hard questions in a really difficult season for me. And this has not been an easy or fun lesson to study, because where where I am saying, not yet, God, there's a void. And I would say, if you may not recognize what the idols are, but if you are finding that there's immorality in your life, it ties to an idol. So if you're struggling with immorality in your life at all, behind it is an idol. And so the question I ask is what can you not live without? What are you craving that you're not filling with God? Where are you going, God, that's enough light to really don't want to see anymore? Because in conclusion, Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 8, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
These words which I am commanding to you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them as you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Our prayer focus today is I'd like us to sit together at table groups, and I'd like you to to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to show you, because we are not under the law. I'm not going to say that God commands that you do Sabbath on a certain day, because remember, Sunday wasn't the original Sabbath. You all know that, don't you? It was Saturday, right? We took Sunday because Jesus rose on Sunday. That's why we worship on Sundays. It has nothing to do with the Sabbath. So I'm telling you, there is no ritual to this. But God has a Sabbath in mind for you. God has a Sabbath in mind that he wants you to keep. It's going to be different from me because he knows you and he knows what you need. And so as we sit together tonight, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to show you what is your Sabbath. What does it look like? How much time is it? What does he want you to sacrifice for it? What does he want you to trust him for in order to hold it precious? All right, let me pray for you. Let's pray for each other. Lord Jesus, we give ourselves to you, Lord. Shine your light by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Take us. Show us. Lord, help us not to block the light, but to let it all in, no matter what we see, and help us, Lord, to just get the Windex out and clean it up. By your spirit, Lord, let us rest. Remind us by your spirit, Lord, that we are yours. We are not ours. In Jesus' name, amen.